What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 199. One, nine, nine. It's like, it's almost like a Prince song. We're just missing a nine. Well, you know. It's almost like uh, the countdown to when all of our Windows computers stop working. <laughs> it's just missing a nine. It, it is. Uh, yeah. and, and I will just say that nothing happened when things went from no. 99 to 2000. Yeah. And the reason that nothing happened is because we actually took it seriously. Yes. Yes. It's amazing when we take problems seriously, isn't it? Yeah. We can accomplish such great things when we take things seriously. Friends. Yes. I think that's the lesson for today, isn't it? Yeah. You could accomplish take great th- things when you take it seriously. <laughs> eh, sure. I'll run with that. Let's do yeah. that. All right. Wow. Probably had to edit out a bunch of stuff uh, uh, uh hi friends i'm sick i'm sorry but i'll do my best but you're with us here today and we're gonna be talking about stargate sg1's episode prototype prototype friends it's we're sg1 in- episode not a voyager episode uh there right. is a voyager episode named prototype yeah that yeah. incidentally also has robert picardo in it uh, uh which yeah <laughs> the odds would be good but hey it, he now he's like one he's he's 100 percent for episodes of proto sci-fi episodes named proto who knows all right hi hi we're an independent podcast hi friends if you like what we've got going on you can support the show we've got a buy me a coffee page at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through or you can go to our website at wtts.space space wow nice that was like one of those like like nice sounding foghorns not i'm okay. sorry like, and I meant that in the resonant way, not like the annoying way. It was just like, yeah, I tried yes. to get some nice resonance. There you go. So you can go to our website, click on the little coffee cup uh, icon in the bottom right corner. Right there, you can buy one or two or five coffees if you wish. Or if you want to support the show on a monthly basis, there's a little like pill button thing on the bottom of that widget that says buy me a coffee slash walking through, I think. You click on that and you go to the buymeacoffee.com slash walking through page. There you can sign up for what they call memberships. That's like a monthly recurring thing where we have one tier. It's the general fund, $3 a month if you want. Thank you to everybody who has bought us a coffee, including RMB77. Thank you, RMB77. Yes, thank you. For buying us a coffee. Also, thank you to everybody who supports us on the monthly basis. That means a lot to us, very much so. And for those who want a little extra zhuzh, there is something called the wish lists. And on the wish list, there are typical items that would make sense for a podcast, like a couple of microphones uh, that are technically better than the ones we use, a mixer that would make uh, recording a little faster and easier. Also on the wish list is the terrible non-canonical animated series uh, Stargate Infinity. If we fund that wish list item, we will watch the next two episodes of Infinity that we have on our docket. Uh, episodes nine and ten, I think, and record two reaction episodes to it posted on the main feed, but only if it funds and it hasn't funded yet. So that means I don't have to watch it yet, which is great. I really appreciate that. So keep that up. Uh, if anybody in your life wants to listen to excellent Stargate podcast content, you can recommend our. Sh- I do. Yes, you could recommend our show to them and tell them that they can find us. On Google Play, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, whatever. doesn't matter. It's going away in like six months anyway, so who knows. 
uh, Google and Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and Amazon. And those are the big ones or the name brand ones. However, you can go to any podcast alligator and search for walking through the Stargate. You will find our stuff. You can subscribe. They can subscribe to it and listen to us anytime that we drop a hot and tasty episode like this one. Yes. This is episode 199. Hot and tasty. (laughs) I think that's the byline that I got to write down somewhere. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Hey, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that uh, hot and tasty is a terrible byline for a podcast, I shouldn't have picked that. And uh, should have done something else. How might they? How might they let us know that? Well, hot and tasty is definitely a PG thirteen byline, and we try to keep it at max at PG thirteen. But if you have figured out that there is a better PG version of hot and tasty that we should use, you can tell us by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate@gmail.com. Of course, by the time you do that, it will be too late because you've heard this and Brent has already done the thing. But yep. that's okay. Because podcasts and 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 emails are are asynchronous ways of talking to each other. <laughs> like can, right now, we're in your past, but you are in our future, and mm-hmm. and we're still talking like we're in the present. Yes, yes. I. It's like it's like I'm talking to you, but you don't actually hear it until the future. Right. Um. And and you know that's what we mean by asynchronous. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It like is that. a synchronous it's it's asynchronous yeah yeah it's not the synchronous it's just Mm -mm. a synchronous yeah one of many one of many anyway oh you can also go to facebook and go to the walking through the stargate facebook page and the facebook group and have conversations there about how hot and tasty is a really bad idea (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) phrases i didn't expect myself to be saying (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a good one. All right. Uh, you can also go to the website, which is WTTS.space. Space. Oh, there you go. Need a little bit more bass. I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a callback to last week's episode. Uh, okay. So you can go to the website and then you can do all the things that, that you can do on websites. You can see, you know, pictures of of grilled cheese sandwiches i think maybe uh yeah there's technically a picture of a grilled cheese sandwich on there yeah. uh, you can you can actually wa- listen to the podcast on a website that's right you can do that uh, too. you can also click on the discord link on the website and that'll take you to the discord and then you can join the conversation there in which case you can talk about how all sorts of things are weird with this place we call walking through the stargate yes you can you'll be in good company yeah well the, you're not alone um, and then, of course, you can go to buy me a coffee. We've had that conversation. Okay. Yes. So, Brent. Yeah. This is episode 199. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have a question for you. Yeah. What comes after 199? 200! 200, Zach. Ah, you are so smart, Brent. Thank you. Even Thank though you you're sick, much. your mind is sharp as a tack. Wow. We'll see. <laughs> it might be a very dull tack. <laughs> Might be a safety pin. Maybe, maybe it's one of those tacks that have been like bent over and is it not as good as it, I don't know. It's, it's definitely, it's not its sharpest. Okay. In <laughs> any case, our next episode is 200. Yes. So, uh, Brett and I had a conversation today. Uh, we are recording this on February 3rd, uh, 2024. 
Yep. Uh, we normally record on Saturday mornings like it is now for us. Uh, think asynchronous, right? Asynchronous. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we are not take, we're going to record anything next week. Uh, there is a cultural event that's happening next week that is going to uh, take up some time. Yes, it involves uh, 22, 22, uh, 22 men on a field and an oblong ball. And, indeed. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, that was something that, that I was thinking about doing. Uh, we could, like, put uh, different groups into a football field or into a place and say who would win in a contest of mm. fill in the blank. Yeah, that's a good idea. Right. Uh, in any case, um, the week after that is, uh, let me see here. That's the 17th, if I added correctly. Right, Brent? Yes. Uh, so we're also taking that week off because we need to get our or Twitter no, the stuff. The 10th. The 10th. Yeah, the 17th is the week after that. The 10th. Today's the 3rd. Right, 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 right. right. Yep. Next week is, is the, the 10th. The week after the that is the 17th. Right, the 17th. We're not, sharp, we're not recording on the 10th. Sharp as attack, Zach. Sharp as attack. You are sharp and I cannot talk. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, we're in for a rough one today. Okay. Okay, in any case, bottom line, after today, we're taking two Saturdays off, and so we'll be back on the 20... Uh, 24th? Is that right, Brent? 24. The 24th uh, for our 200th episode. Uh, so get your sock puppets and your questions. This is an AMA. You can ask us anything you want about Stargate or non-Stargate things. Hey, Zach. Yes, Brent? Episode 200 will be on 0202. Oh, sorry. 022424. Wow, let me try that all over again. There's a lot of twos and multiples yes. of twos. 200 on 222, 224.24. Wow, sharpest attack. <clears throat> so, so it'd be like 0224, 2024. For 200. For 200. And if that isn't confusing, that might have to be the byline right there. <laughs> <laughs> for, for episode 200? Yeah. Oh, for this one. <laughs> well, no, for the next one. <laughs> Zero twos and fours, baby. Yeah. In any case. Okay. So. This isn't actually a Stargate podcast. We are professionals, oh. just not a podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, this is, yeah, we get paid for other things. <laughs> yeah, so there's that phrase, keep your day job. Yeah, well, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so shall we dig into this episode, Brent? Yes, let's dive all into right. this. So the director for Prototype is none other than Peter DeLuise. Yes, He's good. back two weeks in a row. He did Hooray! Babylon last week. And he did this one, and then he's got uh, four more this season, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the teleplay is by Alan McCullough. I'm mm -hmm. assuming I pronounced that correctly. I don't Probably. know. That looks right. Uh, but this is his first of four writing credits this season. And not only that, this is his first of 19 episodes for the entire Stargate franchise. Oh, hey, okay. We say welcome. hello and welcome to Alan McCullough. Um, uh, I have a line here that says I was supposed to talk about, you know, his stuff because this is his first credit and I didn't get a chance to do all that. <laughs> um, uh, but we'll get to uh, that next he, time. You next know, time. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the, uh, the commentary. He and uh, Rob Cooper was talking about this episode. Um, and uh, so like when, so this was a, a uh, uh, shoot. I can't think of the word, Brent. He, he wasn't on staff and he just wrote an episode and gave it to him. Oh, uh, there's a word for that. Yeah. Freelance, freelance, you know, uh, whatever Ad hoc. I think freelance is what he was doing. Anyway, he wrote this episode. Uh, well, actually, so he he came to had a meeting with with Robert Cooper 
and and he pitched like seven ideas and like yeah okay that's yeah, no, that's fine and then he pitches the the uh, the the eighth idea like as they're leading leaving and they're like oh that sounds good uh, which was originally some sort of uh, you know Frankenstein's monster type of thing yeah uh, and it developed into this um, so uh, there you go that that's that's what I know about Alan McCullough but uh, they liked him for this and they hired him on and he uh, wrote 19 episodes of this and other uh, uh, Stargate episodes not just very good one all right. We have some guest actors for this episode. Mm-hmm. We have Gary Jones as Chief Master Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. Yay! We say hello to Robert Picardo as Richard Wolsey. Yay! We have Lexa Doig, who returns as Dr. Carolyn Lamb. Yay! We have Ivan Cermak, who is plays Major Altman. He's, yes. You know, the one guy. Now, according to IMDb, it says he was born on February 7, 1966 in Czechoslovakia. Okay. The mini biography was written by Ivan Cermak. Uh, okay. And he says this. This Ivan Cermak was not born in Czechoslovakia in February ah. or even in the 1960s, but he has been in all three North American productions uh, and all these, but he has been in all these North American productions because he's from Canada where uh-huh. all these productions were filmed. For that, Ivan Cermak and see all of his work in the Czech Republic where he was born. IMDb kind of mixed these two profiles up. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah. So there you uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, he also, he was actually in a previous episode of SG-1. He played the role of Captain Hagman in the season six episode Redemption Part One. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know, he was just a background character. Who's yes. Like, blah, 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 blah. So, but, you know, he's back in this one as a different character. His first IMDb credit uh, came in the TV series Miracle Pets in the year 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my understanding as I was looking at Miracle Pets, uh, he played a rescuer. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, this was like kind of a quasi-reality show where, yeah. where you where they had reenact a, stuff. You reenacts a bunch of things um, and such. And so he did that. And then we have Neil Jackson, who plays Keel uh, Colic. Yes. So he was born in 1976 in uh, Luton, Bedfordshire, England. Yep. Uh, he's an actor and writer known for Stargirl, The King's Man, and Absentia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also was an amateur boxing champion and worked out as worked as a personal trainer in his youths or in his you know young adults. I'm in his sure young adultsness, it. yes. Uh, he's also an accomplished guitar player and songwriter, and his first mm-hmm. album, The Little Things, was released in the year 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays the son of Anubis in this episode. Yes. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in the year 1998 in the movie Fallen, where he plays college kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, there you go. He's actually only, he's just a little bit younger than my sister. Ah, there you go. There you go. All right. So the original air date for this episode was September 16, 2005. And I can finally now, Brent, finally, after how many weeks, announce that the United States was listening to something different. Oh, good. What they were we listening, listening to? to? Other song. I don't even remember what it was anymore because I don't have the notes on my page. It anymore. was just too much. We just we just we just expunged it from our memories. That's right. 
But now they were listening to Kanye West and Jamie Foxx singing Gold Digger. Ah, yes. Yes. I don't know this song. Uh, you might recognize it if 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 it were playing for you, which well, it's okay. playing for all of us right now, but it's not for you. So. It's not for me. No. I don't hear it. But you know, oh, okay. Now, now, now that I've heard it a little bit, I understand. I, I recognize it. I yes. recognize it. Uh, in the UK, they were listening to "Don't Ya" by the Pussycat Dolls, featuring Buster Rhymes. Aha! I have no idea about this song at all. I don't have any idea. It's it's from the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, featuring Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I bet you it's. I bet you it's got high energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, am guessing that it's probably got a tempo marking of about 120. Yeah, maybe 144. So. 144 is presto, I think. I, I, I bet you that there's a lot of bouncing around that's going. Yeah, on. there's a lot of bouncing around. Well, as we're bouncing around, we do it just like heaven. Oh, do we now? Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've actually never been to heaven, so I don't oh. know for sure. But okay. I, I, okay. I imagine. Uh-huh. I imagine that, sure. that, that, that heaven is not simply, uh, you know, harps and angels and clouds, but no. there are people having fun bouncing around. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, in order to get to heaven, apparently, you have to have the exorcism of Emily Rowe, or at least, you know, so that, that her she's not covered with demons. So she's got to be exorcised, uh, unless she is the demon. That is being exercised from somebody else, in which case, I don't know. Anyway, this all sounds like a big Lord of War type of thing. Sure, okay. I I don't know, I'm guessing things. Anyway, uh, all of this really is the 40-year-old version, Crying Wolf. I guess it all stands up to reason, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Brent's sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we can just blame me for the whole thing. It's fine. Yeah. All right. So what else was happening uh, in September 2005? Um, so on the 12th of September, Hong Kong Disneyland opens in Penny's Bay, Lantau Island, Hong Kong. Uh-huh. So there you go. We got more Disneyland all over the place. Yep. Uh the TV show Supernatural debuts on the 13th of September on the WB, starring Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki, uh-huh. which eventually becomes the longest-running fantasy series on TV. I think it ran for, like, 13 or 14 years. Yeah, wow. Uh, it, it, like, like, it was originally supposed to be, like, a five-year run, and they did that, and then the actors were like, this is fun, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. And then they basically kept going. And it wasn't until, like, the 15th or whatever season, maybe it was, like, the 19th season. I don't know. Jensen Ackles and, and Jared Padalecki were like, you know, this has been great. I love this, and that's... I'm going to call it. But they were having a lot of fun with it, and so they, yep. they kept going. Anyway, um, on September 16th, Gordon Gould, uh, the inventor of the laser, dies at age 85. Huh, okay. I don't know anything more about Gordon Gould. Other than he invented the laser, but yeah. on the 16th of September, 2005, he died. Yep. Okay. So, and then on the 19th of September, another long running and successful television show, the sitcom, How I Met Your Mother premieres, starring Josh Radner, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris, Colby Smulders, Jason Siegel, and Allison Hannigan. Very nice. There you have it. There you have it. Uh, we have a little bit of trivia for this episode. Yes. Um, so the, uh, when, when uh, the bullets were shot and they hit the bulletproof glass at Woolsey when he's like behind the bulletproof glass in that observation area, 
Uh, yes. Those are actually little paintballs filled with Vaseline. Oh, clever. Yeah, that hits that, that, that gets that, uh, that little look there. Yeah. Um, uh, I was also listening to uh, Peter DeLuise in a... Uh, he was talking about this episode in one of the special features on the, the DVD. And, uh, you know, there's one of those scenes where Kalik, uh uses his telekinetic powers to pull a couple of uh, SFs through the door onto the electrical plate, and they get yes. zapped. Well, apparently, uh, those guys, so like, this is all people, and they, they have ropes on them, and then right. they're tied to the ropes, and then somebody on the other end of the rope pulls on it, and then they go flying, and that's, right. that's how you get that shot. Well, apparently, the, the guy who, like, the, the weight, the counterweight on the other side was another uh, big, beefy guy. Right. And, uh, and so he was jumping off of platform A onto platform B, which is apparently, like, six inches off of... Uh, higher than the floor or whatever. Right. Uh, and that's where he was landing on. And so they had everything timed up there. But when they actually filmed it or started one of the filming it, uh, they, he, he missed his platform and landed on the floor. And that extra six inches just made that guy go flying across oh, the sure. room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, nobody was hurt and everybody Good. had a laugh, but it was silly and fun. But, but, uh, there you go. Uh, in addition to that, uh, 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 when when Cameron Mitchell gets tossed against the wall, that was uh, that was uh, uh, Ben Browder doing his own stunts for that. Yes, again, again. Uh, and uh, Rob Cooper was saying that he didn't realize that uh, that uh, Ben Browder had done his own stunt for that until he was watching the uh, the dailies. <laughs> and and if he had known that, he would have said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> ben, you're jeopardizing the production of this entire series again. Again. Uh, so there you go. Um, then there is a shot of some uh, sergeants uh, and other airmen in the corridor uh, uh, running around. And that's a actually reused from the episode Spirits way back in season oh, wow. two-ish, three maybe. I can't remember. Wow. That falls. Old, old time, old time, uh, old time footage. I also noticed that uh, they they finally went back to Cheyenne Mountain and got new shots of the entrance to Cheyenne oh. Mountain. Oh, huh. okay, nice. Um, the the I mean, in the last couple of episodes, I've noticed that they they've had some new shots and and they were cleaner. They're like HD shots and and ah, not like, okay, you know, old old stuff that that's like kind of grainy and fuzzy yeah. because they're old. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that's like a sentence fragment. I don't know what I was thinking about there. So we're going to skip that. Uh, this episode in other languages is, uh, the French call it prototype. The Italians, the Spanish, the Czech, the the Hungarians, they all call it prototype. And the Germans call it prototype. (laughs) Everybody calls it prototype. Everybody calls it prototype. That's because, you know, apparently it was the prototype. The prototype. 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 And it had nothing to do with uh, typewriters. Although no. there was the one scene where where Kallik, uh uses his telekinetic powers to manipulate the keyboard of the Stargate uh, with his mind. I'm going to go with that. It was the it was the guards people that were the hammers against the wall making impressions. Sure. Those are the, that's that's where the product. But then, but then Colic was realizing that this is not, this is not actually sustainable, that you can't mass market this thing. Yeah. 
yeah, you 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 need something. Consumer consumer con- consumption of this me- particular method of typewriter would probably wear out pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, back to the drawing board. Back, well, everything goes back to the drawing board or back to <laughs> Chat GPT. Uh, That's <laughs> because the synopsis is, is is using our good friend Chat GPT <laughs> uh, in the voice of Cameron Mitchell, and, oh. and I actually I had to zip it through a few times. I tried. I tried Richard Wolsey. I'm like, oh no, that that's like sounds exactly the same as what it was before. That doesn't work. <laughs> and then I tried Daniel Jackson, and I'm like, eh, that's not getting it right. And yep. so then I tried Cameron Mitchell. I'm like, okay, let's run with this. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the episode, the synopsis in the voice of Cameron Mitchell. So Landry's doing his thing, you know, strutting through the Stargate command corridors, and here comes Carter dropping some Tokra intel on a potential Ori incursion due to a gravitational disturbance. Classic Tuesday, right? Now, Carter decides to check it out on P3X584 with SG5, and Landry gives the green light. But, plot twist, the team comes back and, oops, wrong planet, smells like a gate malfunction, so Landry hits the brakes on all Stargate activities. After some detective work, Carter and Harriman dig into the gate's logs, find these anomalies, or as Carter likes to call them, bumps. That's with, with air quotes, Bumps. It's a real scientific uh, explanation. Yep, yep, yep. So she's thinking it's some safety measure blocking unwanted gate crashers. Uh, with the Prometheus on a two-week cruise to the planet, Carter takes a shot at overriding the safety protocol, and bam, it works. More bumps in the logs. Turns out it's a request for a seven-code combo. Screw it up, and you get forwarded to a random gate. Carter cracks the code. Sends a bacterial culture to P3X584 and SG1 and SG5 tag along. We finally hit the right planet and Carter discovers this gizmo hooked up to the dial home device. Meanwhile, Teal'c and me and Daniel stumble upon transportation rings leading to an underground lab with a DNA resequencer and a guy in ancient stasis. Mr. Kalek. Kalek. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway. Back on Earth, we wake him up, and turns out he's more than just a lab experiment. Calls himself Kalik. Claims he got his DNA messed with by some man. All he wants <laughs> is a ride home. Carter's got suspicions about Nirti's side project, but I can't help but notice the lab looks way more ancient than Gould. Fast forward. Daniel digs through the lab database, spills the beans that Kalik is Anubis's little science project, Human Gould hybrid, son of Anubis, and you know, all that jazz. Team Huddle. And Daniel's throwing out the idea of offing Kalik, considering he's got the powers of a superhero and a Gould personality. When Daniel talks to Kalik, Kalik, whatever his name is, the dude's spilling about ascending, getting all cocky about the genetic memories he got from Anubis. Now enter Woolsey, announcing the IOA's grand plan to study Kalik for some anti-prior weapon. Landry and Daniel kick up a fuss, but Woolsey's on a studying spree. We use this ascendometer thing to check Kalik's brain, watch him level up, and then he pulls some Jedi mind trick, stealing my Zet Nicotel. I shoot him twice, but he just heals up and gets even brainier. <laughs> Back to the drawing board and what to do with him. Woolsey's all about the study, so we're stuck with more security measures, including a hormone to paralyze the dude. 
Carter's thinking of using the DNA resequencer to see when Calix gonna ascend. Meanwhile, Landry and Woolsey are having another powwow about keeping Kalek awake. Landry decides to put him back in stasis, but SG-1 shows up, dropping the bomb that Kalek wants to go back to the planet for some more treatments. Dude's got advanced hearing. He eavesdrops on the convo, breaks free, kills some guards, and heads to the gate room. He's like a one-man wrecking crew, blocking bullets with his mind, short-circuiting everything. Kalik hits the gate room, dials the gate, but he gets boomeranged back because of P3X584's security. I shoot him. He blocks it. But then out of nowhere, Daniel shoots him from the other end. Turns out Kalek got distracted by me and Daniel's bullet lands. Dude's wounded. We keep firing until Kalek's a goner. Carter spills the bean that means that she rigged the planet's device to send anyone dialing it back to where they came from. Woolsey's all apologetic to Daniel, who's not in a forgiving mood. Daniel wishes, though, that he was wrong. But hey, that's how the gate crumbles. <laughs> the end. The end. Okay, Brent. Yeah. This is the episode prototype. Yeah. In the season nine of Stargate SG-1. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, It was okay for an episode where they were basically out of cash. <laughs> where they were all like... Okie dokie. Nothing fancy. We got to we got to save our monies. Yep. I thought that um, uh, I, I, when I saw Woolsey back, uh, right. I was very happy. I was very happy to see Woolsey. I'm on team Woolsey, as you know. Um, yeah, I think I think that he is an exceptional. He's an exceptional uh, uh, presence uh, that uh, though, uh, though. Many of our heroes at the SGC think that his presence is unnecessary. I think that they're idiots, uh, even though they think that he is a a pain in the butt. I think that they're being childish, even though he is uh, an individual who seems to be uh, quite content with letting the risks get pretty high. And then at the end of the episode says, I was wrong about the risks and you were right. I think Woolsey was wrong about being wrong about the risks. I think that so far in this story, the situation demands that extraordinary measures be taken. And if anything, if anything can get past the security measures at the SGC in the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, which many things have attempted to do so, we have been in bad pickles before with things on the base. If anything can get through, well, then we were goners to begin with. So why not take advantage of the secure facility and push it to the limit? Push it to the absolute limit. I disagreed with Daniel on this one. I thought it was weird that the voice of scientific inquiry for the entire duration of the series suddenly got gets cold feet. I guess you could I guess you could bank shot it off of the notion that he more than anybody else knows Anubis and Anubis's mind, which is fair. And um, therefore, his interpretation of the risks would are probably more accurate than anybody else's, which is also fair. Um, but uh, you got to take this opportunity. I, I'm, so, uh, I'm right I there with him. I want to interject here just a little bit here. Uh, in earlier drafts, uh, Woolsey was portrayed very much like the villain. Yeah. Uh, and as the drafts went on, they, they crafted him to be the antagonist to our heroes. Yes. But not in a villainous way. Oh, if they and shot this thing. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 he, if the character had turned villainous in this episode, I would be through the roof. Um, because nobody likes the bureaucrat, but they are so necessary. 
everybody hates them. Everybody thinks that they could just get away with not having one. Yeah, that works if you're like society is like 10 people. Like other than that, that doesn't work. And even when you have 10 people, you need somebody to take notes, even if they're unofficial. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just it's just the way it is. The larger and more complex the system gets, the more complex the system gets. And yeah, there's there are great efforts at trying to simplify things, but there are way too many instances of individuals oversimplifying in the sake of simplification so that they can wrap their heads around it rather than accepting that the system itself is really complex and therefore needs navigators. But anyway, Woolsey's an expert navigator and he was right. Look, there's a chance there's a chance that we won't be able to square up against the Ori because up until now, we haven't. Every single time that a prior comes by, the best thing that we get to do is kind of corner them and then they self-immolate and that's it. But otherwise, they do what they want right now. And uh, getting a little bit of insight on this half ascension aspect or this path to ascension through technology aspect, that's clever. That's a clever way to research it. So let's go. So the tension that was between the antagonist of the episode saying, let's research and our heroes saying we should kill this guy right now. Um, I was once again finding myself uh, on the side of the antagonist in yet another episode where Woolsey's present. I'm sitting here going, yeah, I'm with Woolsey on this one. <laughs> so so um, but, you know, let's but let's talk about the story, though. Um I find it um, plausible enough, right? The the explanation as to why why Anubis was doing this felt plausible enough. Um, I think that uh, Teal's kind of summary of that there was, I think it was Teal that you know something about um, you know being having a tie back to the mortal was just alluring enough that he wanted to go through with it. And I thought, yeah, I mean, maybe, but it, it, you know, it might be a bit more along the lines of, you know, making a better super soldier. You know what I mean? Like it, I kind of, kind of doubt that Anubis, if given the chance to die, would take it. I think that he would rather kind of like, that would not be a, 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 a course for him. He would not want to go that way. He would want to get something more than rather than something less. So uh, I will point out here that, um, Within the the writing process, uh, McCullough had uh, clarified a more uh, more particular reason for why Anubis was doing this, but it didn't make the final cut. I don't sure. remember if it was because of time or because it just got drafted out of it. Um, but the uh, the idea was uh, that uh, uh, Anubis wanted to create a super soldier that could ascend so that they could take on and destroy the ancients. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and uh then take over the realm that yeah. way. Yeah. That would be a, a you'd end up spending every single cent that you ever had on visual effects, but that would be a spectacle. Um yeah. or a very boring episode as it's just a but it's just it's just white light. <laughs> Just white light with battle sounds. That's it. Um, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's the cheapest one yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How much did you spend on visual effects? Nothing. We just shone a light straight into the camera. It was great. Um, all right. So uh, I did think that the character development of of Kalis Kalek. That's his Kalec. name. I thought that the character development of Kalek was a little rushed, but it makes a little bit of sense. Like he went from. 
I don't know what you're talking about. To, yes, indeed, I am the bad man. In fact, I'm so bad, I'm going to verify everything that you said. Daddy told me I was his favorite. Like, it was... <laughs> It was a little, it was a little much. Um, I think that they were shooting for their Hannibal Lecter Silence of the Lambs moment and they got it. Like, I oh, think that's that was in fact exactly what they were working on. Yeah. Like that, that, that was the, that was the homage and it was very clear. Um, and uh, the, the threat that he posed uh, was, was definitely juicy enough for a, for a 45, 43 minute episode. And the resolution was, um, plausible enough for a 43 minute episode i saw the solution the gate solution a mile away like you know as soon as as soon as he was like kind of running towards the gate room i'm like you know it there's the other gate's gonna reject him he does he's not he's not feeding it the code or whatever like you know he's gonna end up on an he's gonna end up on an icy planet somewhere was what i thought which would have been a hilarious callback um (laughs) i really wish it was that but um uh, but instead, he got he got thrust right back into the SGC. So in that regard, I thought that was a little hasty and foolish uh, because, um, uh, you know, let's just examine the very the very core specifics. Uh, Carter says that she rewired the call forwarding to to the SGC, which means anybody who managed to find a way onto that plant or to, sorry, who, anybody who managed to find a way to dial that gate would have been forwarded to. The SGC. And if operations were handling normally off, you know, unscheduled off world gate activation would happen. No IDC would be received. They would close the iris and splat. The person would just go. That'd be the end of it. That would be a very effective way to get rid of Kalik. Yes. And any random individual who happened to dial that address. That's a little hard. That's a little heavy handed is kind of what my point is. Are you sure you want to splat? Anybody who like literally anybody who happens to accidentally dial that gate, eh, whatever. It, here we are. The, you know, good enough resolution. Um, didn't see the other bullets coming. It, plausible enough. Um, the ascendometer. I really kind of hope that we get the ascendometer back. I don't know if we will or not, but stupid names. I love stupid names. Uh, you know, even though they credit, they they acknowledge they they, they compliment it. Which is fine. You know what I mean? Hey, whatever. I'm well, saying Carter's that it like, works. Oh, man, I wish I came up with that. Because it, it's clever enough. I mean, yeah. like, it's it's like, you know, it's an easy way to kind of like point at a device and be like, what's that do? So I can't recall if the Ascendometer returns, but we will get um, more ancient technology that does weird things. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of at that phase of the show, which is good. Like, the faster that we leave Ball behind, the happier I will be. <laughs> so uh what did i think about this one it was fine um you know i guess it uh, introduces another layer to what anubis was doing it actually introduces a layer of what we might be able to do to push back against the ori threat um it was a decent enough bottle episode it uh the acting was fine i thought that um I can't remember if we said that. Uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Who was the who's the new guy that named the, uh, Altman, Robert Altman? Um, <clears throat> otherwise known as Bob. So Major Bob. Uh, I hope he's. I hope he comes back. I don't know if he will or not, but I hope he does. And two, because he didn't die, right? He just got. He just. He just got uh, zapped. Yeah, they they did say that he will recover. He's not. Yeah, dead. that's what they say. 
Yep, Major Bob. I hope to see Major Bob Altman again. Um, yeah, I mean, this one was just a kind of a fine middle of the road episode. Uh, I don't know if anything will be like earth shattering about it. Maybe you will. Maybe it won't. Uh, I thought that the, that the treatment of Wolsey was fine. At the end, I was a little disappointed that the that the story went. You see, you see, the heroes were right. But, you know, what am I? Come on. This is this is this is a, this is a TV show. The heroes are always right. Like, that's yeah. not real life. But I mean, whatever. And I did like that the that the story gave the heroes the humility to at least go. I wish I was wrong. Like to to say it would have been pretty sweet if we could have studied this and learned something because that would really help. But we can't. And here we are. So, yeah, overall positive feelings. Uh, what about you? What did you think about this episode? Uh, so um, I thought it was a pretty good episode overall. Uh, I I like the character of Woolsey. Um, I, I don't all I mean, so like and, and Robert Picardo it's just a great actor and I love to watch him work. Uh, so, you know, to see him do his thing was, is, is really quite, uh, it, it's fun to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not in the same team Woolsey as you are. That's fine. I stand um, by, I stand all by myself. It's all right. You know, um, but so one of the things that I do appreciate about Woolsey is that, uh, he he is a sufficiently complicated character that he can see things from multiple sides. Yes. In a way that even sometimes our heroes fail to do. Yep. Um and so I really really like that about Wolsey. Uh so even when I might disagree with him, uh you know, I I I can respect that. Uh, I think part of what happens in this episode, uh, and we actually saw this in in previous episodes. Uh, I can't remember if he's been in one or two other episodes. Um, uh, and spoiler: this is not the last time we'll see Woolsey. We'll see him again. Good. Um, but uh, one of the things that 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 we're seeing is like, like he has the ability to see things from multiple perspectives, and that's a good thing. But one of the things that he is missing in this episode, especially, is uh, a greater sense of the in-the-moment context of things, right? Uh, understanding things in the moment is different than trying to understand things while reading the reports three months later. Mm-hmm. Um, the there there's a different intensity with that, um, and and the 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 threat the the emotional uh challenge of that moment doesn't exist and really has a hard time being replicated in your month your your report that come that he reads three months later or whatever it is right mm-hmm. uh and so he has the ability to read these reports and and see multiple perspectives uh but he hasn't been in the field to experience the the emotions was he right or wrong in this situation to study Kalik? Uh Well, he had a different opinion than, than Daniel. Um, and that's as far as I will go there, uh, you know, whether he's right or wrong. Um, but one of the things that he learns in this episode, uh, which is something he didn't have before, is the, the emotional resonance of the, mo- the in, in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because... 
things do get out of hand. Kalik does nearly escape. He does kill some people. Um, and they got lucky. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a television show, and so, you know, the heroes, they get lucky. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's the reason that after this event, they're not, um, you know, they're not in serious trouble is because they got lucky. Um, Daniel's perspective is looking at this like, I know how dangerous ascended beings can be. I know how dangerous Anubis has been and can be again. And the risks do not justify, from his perspective, do not justify the potential gains of having this guy stick around. Um, Woolsey comes in and doesn't have that same emotional connection to all of that. And so says, we've got a problem over here with the Ori. This is an opportunity to study it with the priors and such. So we better take it. Um, doesn't have that same perspective. Uh, and, and that leads to the tension here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we get to the end of the episode, uh, he has now experienced that same uh, fear, that, that same emotional uh, resonance. And moving forward... Uh, we'll have to, we'll, we'll, he'll have to, and, 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 uh, you know, I think he does in the future, um, incorporate that into his, uh, his processes. So his decision-making is not simply the cold, hard facts of things, but recognizing that real people have real issues and, you know, the facts don't tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things that I really like about this episode. Uh, and I think in that regard, if you look at it from that perspective, I think it is fair and appropriate for Woolsey to say, I was wrong. Um, now, what, you know, I mean, it, there's a couple things that, you know, A, they did get lucky and they ended this threat mm-hmm. and they did learn some stuff. We'll see if it comes back and if it becomes fruitful, but they learned some stuff. So, you know, they did get the end result, probably, uh, from what Wolsey wanted. And nobody, you know, well, you know, some SFs died. Um, but, you know, the world is still here. Yep. Um, you know, so, you know, I just appreciate that. And I, I really like that last conversation between Daniel and Wolsey. Because Daniel's like, you know, it just because we are looking at this from a different perspective doesn't mean we don't want the same thing. And I think that's really important for us as humans, mm-hmm. uh, to recognize that uh, there are going to be a lot of people that we run into that want the same thing that we want, or want to get to the same place, but are prepared to, or, you know, are looking at it from their perspective, their their way of doing things, and they're coming at it from a different angle. And there isn't necessarily a one is right and one is wrong. Right. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the the question is. Can can you recognize what the other is trying to do? Uh, can you potentially work together? Is there a compromise that that uh, uses elements of both ideas? Um, the answer may be no. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a legit answer. It might be no. You have to do A or B. You can't do A and B, or you can't do a mashup of A and B. You know that 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 might be true. Um, but but the process of wrestling with that and trying to sort that out uh, is vital for human society to flourish. Um, 
and I think this is something that this episode uh, invites us into at the very end mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is not so bonk bonk on the head. Yeah, I think that uh, if I think there was an opportunity for the story to spend maybe a couple of minutes of screen time, kind of going over the question that you were alluding to, but in a bit more of a of a detailed way. I was thinking about it, like I think that there's been a valid criticism. I think we've we've heard it explicitly or or it was implied somewhere that it sure is curious that uh the primary base of operations for the sgc continues to be on earth um it's i guess like uh perhaps trying to screen all of the visitors to your bank from within the vaults where all the money is kept um (laughs) right it's the thing that you are trying to protect the most so why do you have your primary center of operations there why not why why is it not the alpha site why <coughs> excuse me why are <clears throat> all of the excursions into the unknown happening from earth why are all of the unknown things that you find there brought back to earth and so from a story point of view i'm forced to say that's because the sgc is the best option and then you know when i say that the sgc is the best option and I have been presented with nine episodes where the Ori are running unchecked, and the reality of the yes of the Stargate world is that, um, you know, they don't have a blank check. They have they are answerable, which is fine. I like mm-hmm. that. I like I like organizations that are answerable. Um, put all that together, and so you've discovered something. I'll, I'll use the word technology. I'm putting it in quotes. You've discovered a technology. So what do you do? Well, you bring it back to Earth and you start studying it. We've done that. I don't know how many times. How many times have we seen Dr. Bill uh, do a thing and it kind of go a little sideways? And where are they at? They're on Earth. And what's the yeah. threat? It's on Earth. That's the threat. And then we figure it out. Um, as a result, even though at the end of the episode, you do have a good, solid acknowledgement that there is no singular right or wrong. There is the right choice given the information known on one side and the right choice given the information known on another. And why I keep saying I'm on team Woolsey, it's because Daniel's privileged to some really specific information and he is a story hero. Those are facts that I, as the engaging listener of the story will not quibble on in so much as heroes can change and can grow, but heroes are more right than they are wrong. That's just, that's just the rules. Otherwise they aren't heroes. So Daniel's a hero. So he's more right than he's wrong. And the, the, I think that the story could have, uh, given Woolsey a bit more of a strong position from which to make his argument and still at the end go like, wow, even with this strong position, it turns out, Daniel, that you were right. The strong position being, we don't have anything. I mean, they were trying to kind of set it up, but I don't know if they could. I, I felt like they could have done more. We don't have anything against this new threat at all. This is the most promising lead we have yet. We therefore bring it to our most secure facility in order to study it exactly like we have done every other extraordinary technology we have found to date. There is nothing different about this situation than every single one of those other ones. Daniel's position is the difference is that this is literally the 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 offspring of the mind that tried to exterminate the galaxy. And I think the fair retort to that is 
any number of the things that you have brought into this SGC might have done the exact same thing. Well, yeah, there, there's, there's, you know, I mean, what Daniel's position, I think, um, is that um, there are a lot of things that the SGC has done, and they didn't know that the ramifications of it going badly were, you know, catastrophic on a galactic level. Yeah. Um, but they didn't know it, and they thought they could get something out of it, and so they tried it. And then they're right. like, oh, crap, uh, this could have galactic problems. And then because, you know, they get out of it. Right. Um, Woolsey is saying, we've done this a thousand times and we've brought dangerous things in here and we've done the work because we need to. And Daniel's like, yeah, uh, but right now we already know what the oh, crap is going to look like if this goes south. And so we don't have the... the uh, benefit of ignorance we know with certainty that if Caleb gets out it's it's you know galactic at minimally galactically bad yeah um and and so daniel's position was okay we you know it's like floor versus ceiling <laughs> right we know that if we hit the floor that floor is so far down it's galactically bad. Yes. Uh, and the risk of that compared to the benefits that we would get doesn't don't offset. That's yeah. his position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm and I'm just and I'm just flatly disagreeing. I'm shrugging my shoulders and I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. The story to date is that there is an, un, an insurmountable, unstoppable force about to take over your galaxy in like, I don't know. I'm looking at my watch eight weeks. That's that's uh, <laughs> I, I, you know I'm sorry Daniel I disagree you are out of well, time like, it's time to you, do extraordinary things you are welcome to that I mean part of also what Daniel has is you know I just spent some time you know uh, defending the emotional resonance of things and having yes. that yes um, at the same time now I'm going to critique that a little bit right Daniel Daniel has history with Anubis. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Not good. Right, right, right. He's <laughs> right. privileged to certain information, and because of the definition of where he is within the story, he's right. However, he's emotion. You know, like he's got a connection to it, which might cloud his ability to look at it object objectively. Right, and I think you know one one of the things that we see in um the the rest of the the cast members is that they're, they're like you know because they they start having a conversation. What do we do with this guy? Do we do this? Do we do this? And Daniel says, you know, I think maybe we should just off him. I yeah. think this is not good to keep around. And immediately everybody's like, well, okay, I trust you, Daniel. And so I'm going to follow your lead. Uh, and then you've got the outsider who comes in and says, no, we need to study this. And then understandably, the insiders are all like, well, I hear what you're saying, but we trust him and we know him better than we know you. Right. And so... We're going to be on Team Daniel. Right. Um, and, and Frank, that, that's, that's how human brains work. <laughs> that, that, that's tribalism 101. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the difference here being that, that if tribalism going, going to extreme uh, kills anybody who's outside the tribe, um, and, and they don't kill Woolsey, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would be very upset if they killed Woolsey. Uh, no, Woolsey, we'll see a lot more Woolsey as good. the series progresses. Good, 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 good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I, 
I definitely see signs that they're going to they're going to I hope that we set Woolsey up as quite a helpful, beneficial character to our story for sure, because I think he's deserving of it. But um, I mean, yeah, I stand by I stand by my quippy little thing about how you need bureaucrats more than you think you do. And everybody hates them. Everybody hates them. Nobody likes them. And they're necessary. So, you know, like, quit it. Quit beating the quit beating the drum of, uh, you know, we four can save the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and recognize that the system's a bit more complicated and, uh, you know, enjoy the benefits of having an entire uh, extraordinarily well-funded federal apparatus at your disposal. Yeah. And of course, Carter uh, acknowledges that right when when Woolsey first shows up um, and they're questioning his motives or wondering what are his motives. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, Carter does say, you know, Woolsey's a straight shooter. Yeah. If he thinks this is right, if this is true, uh, it's because that's where he's coming from. I mean, yep. he's he's not. And, and this is something that this is something that I appreciate in Woolsey that uh, results in a lot of distrust towards bureaucrats. You say we need bureaucrats. We do. Mm -hmm. Uh, The challenge becomes when the bureaucrats are running for the benefit of the system and not the benefit of the people in the system. Uh, Because the system doesn't care about the people inside of it. It, It's it's a non-thinking entity. It just is. Um, And when when the sit and this is where where systems can chew people up mm-hmm. um you know especially when and and you can get uh you know problems here right so uh Woolsey is a type of character that operates within the system but constantly strives to recognize the humanity of the people in the system and not just run uh the will of the system itself right uh, there are plenty of bureaucrats in real life and uh, in Stargate that are far more interested in maintaining the power of the system than acknowledging the humanity of the people in the system and the, the fact that the, the system itself does not have the same humanity. It's just a system. I don't know if that made sense. It does. It does. My, my, my pushback is that that's, that's the job of... Uh, that's the job of the checks and the balances of it, right? That's well, the job. So, of- so here's here's the thing: is that systems, and this is this is the danger of systems, but you can't avoid it because um, as soon as you put people together, you have systems, uh, and maybe even before then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the system itself can become psychotic and self devouring, or devouring of the people inside the system, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I mean. Uh, even when no one inside the system can be identified as psychotic. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of what I'm driving at is like that the the thing that the system that we are talking about is governance in this well, particular uh, situation. It, it, sure. Th- it's the governance. specific here is governance. Uh, and and bureaucracy is an aspect of uh managing the will of the people within within a system that 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 does not care about the people that's what that's what bureaucracy is all about bureaucracy is the skill at navigating an extraordinarily complex system that without that skill will just chew people up and spit them out and good bureaucrats exert the will of the people 
that they represent. And that's what Woolsey is. Bad bureaucrats are people who cannot do that. Plenty of people get the job, but not very many. But there are plenty of examples of people that are bad at it. Right. And the reason why I'm like, uh, y'all don't understand just how important bureaucrats are. It's because without them, then those systems chew people up. Without them, you have your leadership that says, we need to have a policy where we can defend the people of this country and find this alien technology um, in order to 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 stave off horrible, horrible things. And we're going to we're going to put a billion dollars in there. And next, you know, six months later, you've got three companies that have eaten up all six billion dollars and spent it on, you know, uh, uh, like vacation packages in the Bahamas. Like that's what happens. And so, you know, that going in that the system is just going to sit there and be all like, sure. Okay. Well then let's go find some people. Great. I found some people done. No, you found people who said they were going to do it. How are you going to keep them accountable for it? Oh, now you need people who understand both the system and the, what the will of the people were in the first place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm over. I'm crazily oversimplifying it. You get my gist, but the point yeah. Is that that's why I'm on Team Woolsey. He walks right. in the door and everybody starts rolling their eyes. Oh, boy, the bean counters here. It's like, yeah, the bean counters here. We know you are honorable, upstanding people because we are privileged to your internal mind by virtue of this story. You, the hero, are correct by definition of being the hero. You'll grow. There'll be things that you are wrong about. Like, it's not like you're flawless. But, you know, generally speaking, you're more right than wrong. That's the that's why you're here, hero. We get it because that's our privileged position. But to pretend like the reality around them also understands that they are always right is childish, which is why I celebrate when I see Woolsey walk in the door. It's like, hooray, the the, the auditors. <laughs> 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 the auditors here and everyone goes, oh, no, the auditor. And I'm like. No, 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 this is great. You're going to be able to show your books. And he's going to go, wow, you guys keep a clean ship here. Like, it's a, it's a chance to it's a chance to shine. Like, wait a minute. You broke the rules here. Yeah, because here's the context of it. Ah, yes. I, as a bureaucrat, am responsible for understanding the will of the people that I represent within the system that doesn't care about them. And I agree. You are right. This is exerting the will of the people in this context. Carry on. Right. Well, he's a great bureaucrat. So that's why I keep loving when he shows up on screen and I hope I continue to do. Now, what I don't want to see, though, is that I hope that the story doesn't do something like have him have him walk in the door one day and be all like, friends, (laughs) I've been wrong this entire time. And he rips off his suit arms. (laughs) 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 I'm with you now. (laughs) Forget the bureaucrats. Let's go rogue. (laughs) I'll be I'll be upset if that happens. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I honestly don't recall exactly all of the details. I don't think that happens. Um, but uh, I mean, it'd be funny. And then I'd be and then I'd be like, boo, boo. Yeah. Give me the old Wolsey. Yeah. Um, the danger in all of that is that and, and this is this is the, the challenge that that we need to be vigilant uh, as individuals within a system and not just simply leave it to the bean counters. Um, Woolsey is a straight shooter. Yeah. So I know that when Woolsey comes in to check my books, that he doesn't have 
an agenda to screw me over in the process. Right. Right. But here's where we get to the psychotic qualities of a system, potentially, out beyond the, the psychotic qualities of an individual within the system. Uh, there are going to be bean counters out there who will come in here and have lost the connection that Woolsey has. And now they'll go in there with an agenda that they may or may not even realize they have and do actual harm to people, not just the people who are our heroes, I'm but gonna, others. I'm going to push back. How many times have you been in an audit? How many times have I been in an audit? Uh, personally? Uh, or not professionally? Uh, you know, the... Uh, I mean, every year the church... Uh, tr- well, every... Every year we try to have an audit, at least a basic audit, you know. So I've been a part of three um, audits led by like big, big auditing firms, right? They are they are impersonal. They don't care about you at all. They um, they have a job to do and there are rules. And so they walk in and they do their job based off of the rules. And lots of people get really frustrated by it because they don't understand the nuance and the context. But it's their job to ask the questions to give you the opportunity to provide the nuance and the context. And if you can do it, there's no problem. If you have the records, there's no issues. That's proper, that's proper, uh, you know, methodology. I was about to say accounting, but I meant it more general, right? Sure. Like auditors, bean counters, bureaucrats almost never have an agenda. I haven't met one that does. They follow orders, right? Somebody can absolutely have an agenda. Somebody can go, you know, I'm just not so sure about this department. Um, I think they might be uh, maybe misusing some. Can you go in and, you know, just make sure that they are consistently coming in maybe 30 percent? under budget that'd be great thanks and they'll go in they'll do their job right that was the job that was given to them it's up to us to go to their bosses us the general the general public to go to their bosses and be like whoa 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 i like that department it does good things it investigates supernatural phenomenon in the universe and brings back weaponry that is capable of destroying the ancients or the, the ancients but you know what i mean the or you know right. la 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 right it's the checks and balances thing that i was getting to this is a tv show that's a really big idea it would be a really boring boring show if it was literally about audits i would love <laughs> it but right like the 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 it's a it's a trope it's a trope that everybody who is coming in to check the books is like uh secretly trying to make something else happen it's it's a trope that's so pervasive that it's a part of our cultural parlance that is so pervasive that we think it affects everything we we hear a story every now and again of somebody who is corrupt and takes advantage of their position and then they get caught and we throw them in jail and we somehow think that this is like every time that you go to the to the you know to the dmv the person behind the counter is like grifting something it's not People are just doing their job. So let Woolsey do his job. He walks in the door and he's like, yeah, we're giving you an awful lot of money. And yeah, there's a big threat out there. And what have you got to show for it? That was the first thing he asked. Like he walked in. He's like, y'all aren't producing results. And, you know, I don't know if you checked, but last time we weren't giving out money for free. 
we're not communist Russia. We're the United States of America. And if you can't produce results, you don't get cashola. So pony up those results. I, 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 everybody hated him. They're all like, man, what a jerk. It's like, mm, I don't know, man. Team Woolsey. Going to get yeah. a T-shirt. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, you, as you described that, talk about that, uh, that is precisely the role that Woolsey was in when we first meet him. Yes. Uh, I believe it was Kinsey who was coming and trying to pull yep. the strings. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, we are fortunate <clears throat> that Woolsey was and is a straight shooter. Yes. Um, you know, so. He's an upstanding character. And, he is an you upstanding know, character. Being of upstanding character is almost always, and the almost is like, I, I just hate to speak in absolute, so I'm just kind of avoiding it. Yeah, forget it. I'll go for it. Being of upstanding character is always going to work out for the best. Always. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one. Um, I would like to think that that is true. Um, I, that's, why I, that's why I'm just going for it. Just going yeah. all in. Uh, that, that is ultimately a topic for another conversation. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I won't get into it. I, I think that, uh, that I would disagree that um, being an upstanding person always ends in the best. Uh, there, there, there's a reason that uh, in, in Judeo-Christian communities, they talk about uh, uh, prophets always dying because people don't like to hear uh, what they have to say. But now we keep talking about what they had to say. Uh, so, so who is it, uh, you know, who is it uh, best for? Yeah, I, did, I guess I didn't get to that, did I? <laughs> I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, well. I think we've probably talked about this enough. Yeah. Time to get to our Chevron ratings. Yes. And I need to know how many Chevrons are you going to give Prototype? Uh, yeah. How many to give Prototype? I mean, it's, I like what it does and I don't like what it, other things it does. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm Team Wolsey. I get it. Um, I'm not a fan that they're kind of bad. They, I mean, I don't know. I they were bagging on him a little, but it might have just been embellishment to kind of set the thing up. Plus, I know I'm weird. I'm like the only person on earth that likes a bureaucrat, but whatever. There I am. Um, son of Anubis was kind of fun, kind of. Um, that this tech exists, that it's possible that this could be used for good and or for ill, is interesting, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And the uh. You know, I don't think that there was a whole lot that got advanced in this other than we just kind of realized that this is a possibility of a thing out there. And I thought it was a relatively effective bottle episode because it really didn't go anywhere. It didn't do much. Um, I'm going to give it a five out of seven. I think that it was fine. And, uh, you know, I think it if it were uh, if it were a show that was just expressly designed for my enjoyment and no one else's then it could get more chevrons if it were a little <laughs> bit more nuanced with uh, with some of the stuff that I complained about, but I can't really hold it, you know, hold that against it too badly. But, you know, five out of seven for me. What about you? How many do you give it? Um. Well, I don't know if I'm on Team Woolsey, uh, yeah. but I can res- <laughs> respect your position being on Team Woolsey. Um, I do really do. I do really like that, that uh, they, they treat Woolsey 
uh, as a real person and they don't turn him into a caricature. Yeah. Um, and they, they nuance that. And within the story, they recognize that, that, uh, you know, he's a straight shooter, right? They, yep. The characters recognize that he might not be, you know, they might not be happy when he shows up, but, you know, he's not trying to screw them over. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of like that. Um, I think I'm going to give this also a five for probably slightly different reasons. Sure. Um, I, I think I think that the story is strong here. Um, it is a bottle episode. Uh, you know, if we're going to call back to Anubis, uh, you know, too many shows will have a callback to a bad, uh, bad guy villain or whatever. And, and it'll feel, you know, Mm. frankly, I think that they kind of did that with, uh, Apophis in the show back in season, whatever that was. Sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, we don't actually see Anubis here, but you know, we're, we're, if we're going to call back this, this is a good way of doing it. That actually advances the story of this season uh, mm-hmm. well, I think. So I'll give it a five. Yep. Yep. Very sensible. That's a very sensible score. Very sensible. You know, mm-hmm. just, just a little mm-hmm. bit higher than... You know, like, like, it, like it's in the low part of good. <laughs> it's in the low part of good. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, we do have some predictions. Yes. So uh, I am on the Facebooks. Mm-hmm. And we start with uh, Dimitri. Hi, Dimitri. He says, this episode had me on the edge of my seat. Jackson being trigger happy the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Kalik explaining in detail how he will kill for the first time is so good. That was a, that was a pretty good set of dialogue there. Uh, I will I, admit. I agree with that. I would agree with that. That, that uh, he really just kind of sells the... Ooh, 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 yeah. ooh, stop, stop, you know, but yeah. Uh, and Daniel's response to that, he's like, okay, I'm just going to pack up and go here. You're not worth talking. <laughs> I'm going to go now. All right. So Dimitri continues, this gave me goosebumps. Unlike mm. last episode, uh, unlike last episode, this time mm-hmm. the promises made about killing were fulfilled. Daniel and Cameron each unloading a clip into Kalik's chest in the gate room was surprisingly satisfying. Hmm. Uh, on a personal note, I-, I agree with that, but I would, given his healing abilities, I would have expected a headshot. Now, mm. I I understand why there wasn't a headshot because right. uh, SG One is not is not a headshot type of episode. It's a yes. TV show, right? You know they don't do that, but. If this guy was going to heal, um, you know, if he can heal from two bullets. Right. Um, How are you sure that he's going to heal from 20? Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, planting a couple in the, uh, the, the noggin there probably would get the job done a little bit better. But I understand why uh, they didn't because TV and, and such. Yes. Anyway, uh, back to Dimitri. da 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 uh, you might be a super evolved human, but there is no coming back from that one. Mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. acting, strong replay value, good story. I predict seven chevrons all around. Wow. Wow. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I didn't like it at a seven, but, uh, you know, hey, th- there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It's been a while since you guys gave the same score. Well, that's true. It's been a few episodes since we've... And we did do that. We both gave it yes, a Yes, this is true. That's right. Uh, Dimitri has a PS. Yeah. I found it so funny when Kalik pushed Tilk back with his mind, and Tilk went flying backwards, squashing two SFs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so that was Dimitri. And now we have Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul says, the conversation of government testing things that they have no control over and never will may come up. I think this episode will keep both Zach and Brent away from their phones. It mm-hmm. won't be the best episode of all time, but they both enjoy it. Eh, that's fair. Yep. I say Zach and Brent both give it a six. Ooh, will there be close. more Anubis clones? We hope not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We shall indeed. see. Yes, indeed. Very oh, close. Very close. That is uh, what we have on the, uh, the Facebooks. All right. Uh, what do we have Over on the on, discords? On the discords, we've got Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, I wonder what would happen if there were a puddle jumper. If they were in a puddle jumper, would they land on their backsides in the seated position on a random planet whilst the puddle jumper crashed on the intended destination? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Why is this? I, yeah. Why is this the first? Good point. Why is this the first melp to... Uh, why is the first melp to the left and not dead ahead? Oh, that's an interesting question. Oh, yeah. Huh? Who yeah. is mowing the lawn on the back door planet? It's pretty tidy looking, possibly <laughs> grazing animals. <laughs> um, uh, you know, little continues? did you know that there is actually a lawn mowing Roomba that is attached to the other side of the DHT. <laughs> uh, Sean continues. Podman is fine. Or is he? He learned English very well for a pod man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fair. Daniel opting for genocide of humanubis. This is not the same Daniel from early seasons, right? No, it is not. No. <laughs> Woolsey is a bit of a Richard. Look, hey, if if he wasn't a bit of a Richard, everyone would just walk all over. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Sean continues. SGC security systems can be terminated by cutting two wires in exposed foil insulation in corridor 21B heading north. <laughs> well, see, Walter, the, 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 the security measure is that that is such a random location. Why would anybody think to go there? Aha. That's actually pretty clever. Security through obfuscation. Walter, Sean continues, didn't manually disconnect the keyboard from the CPU. Hmm? Well, so like, like when the, uh, when, when the, uh, the keys the, when he was going to click, 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 click there, you know, I suppose if you had like cut the wire between the keyboard. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I CPU, suppose that maybe, um, now that doesn't mean that he doesn't have the capacity potentially of still manipulating the CPU, but it would certainly have just, been a little yeah. bit harder. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, here, Sean has his predictions. You ready here? I'm ready. Here we go. Sean says that Brent gave this a five. Uh Uh-huh. Zach gave this a five. (gasps) Hey! Hey! Sean got it! Good job, Sean. Good job, Sean. Sean also gives this a five. He concludes this is a five Chevron episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Sean. Well done, Sean. All right. So then we have Kriamisk. Hi, Kriamisk. Kriamisk says, I always really liked this one. I'm not going to nitpick because it is it's still flowed nice and had solid and memorable moments. 
The reveal of Kalik's true nature always hits hard. Woolsey, as smart as he is, just sometimes can't see how dumb he can be. Yet Anubis has a solid backup plan, but tough luck for him because he failed. If I could only count on my hands all the times I've seen evil play innocent at the outset. Anyways, I lost my point in the writing, but Daniel still summed it all up with cool, hard resolve and a pistol. Brent a five. Mm? And Zach a five and a half. Oh, so close. So close. So So close. Close. Well done, Kriamisk. Well done, Kriamisk. All right. We've got JD. Hi, JD. JD says... I did not remember this episode, which is not a great start. Was Anubis a reasonably attractive guy originally? Why give that up? Why give up that form for a dark void? Daniel got to stay attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the SG teams have got to learn that nothing good comes from pulling people out of stasis. Just let them be. Anyway, the IDC or IAE or whatever they're calling themselves on this episode want to be want to use the bad guy who is obviously badder than they think. Daniel is uh, is in full on Daniel Rambo mode and takes care of it. Threes all around. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> very, very cl- I mean, close in the sense of like there were problems. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> we liked well, it a little better than that. But still. indeed. Well, very close. JD ish. All right. We've got uh, Banjo. Hi, Banjo. Hi, Banjo. Banjo says new guy is what I want to scream at Mitchell quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy this episode quite a bit. Interesting and fun with the gate forwarding without a password. And he's the son of Anubis, but damn, he's looking good. Evil never looks so good. <laughs> Woolsey being Woolsey. Check it off the list. First look at the Ascendometer. Wonder if that might be useful again. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Daniel clearly has some PSTD when it comes to Anubis and his kin. He knows the danger of being like him ascended, so he's going to stop it. Let's be real, Oma did. Oh, sorry. Let's be real. Oma did save the universe by fighting Anubis. Jackson saved the universe by killing his son. Still following in her footsteps. (laughs) Brent, a six. Close. Close. And Zach, a six. Also a close. And I give it a six, says Banjo. Wait. Uh. Still no Vala. Make it a seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, Banjo, you and I, we, we, we disagree about this whole Vala thing. I like Vala. She's a good character. <laughs> lovely, lovely. All right. So then we've got Kevin. Hi, Hi Kevin. Kevin. Kevin says, Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Whoops, forgot to watch last night, so I'm watching this morning. As I sat down at 5.51 a.m. with a cup of ramen <laughs> and started watching the episode, I took a few notes. Wow. 5.51. That, that's commitment there. That is commitment. Indeed. One. Geez, Carter, the guy just woke up. You don't need to throw full your full rank at him. If I had just come out of stasis, I would not be ready to process anything they're saying. At least not yet. Two. Wow. Never thought I would see Daniel to be the, at, the one to advocate for murder. Not that is not that is necessarily a bad choice in this case. Three, I love that slow turn that Kalik gives, going from scared human to that slow, evil smile once he realizes the jig is up. Four, hey, that random redshirt guy survived. Wait, do they qualify as redshirts if they survive? Good question. Mm. Five, Teal'c getting pushed into two airmen, getting hit by a flying Christopher Judge would have would have to hurt. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. I, Six. I, I, I turn into a little grease spot if... if, <laughs> if. 
Shield Christopher Judge lands on top of me. No kidding. Six, I'm not sure, but that might have been the most blood we've seen on the show at once. It, uh, can't recall, I can't recall a time we've seen blood pouring out of multiple bullet wounds before. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. One thing I remember about this episode when I was watching it live for the first time is that the episode and the next episode aired on the same day, which means that Atlantis did the same thing the following week with 209 and 210 airing on the same day. The episode was a lot of fun and gives us some new information on Ascension and a way to measure it. That could certainly be useful. Overall, I'm guessing Zach and Brent will rate this episode five out of seven. Kevin got a two. So a total of 10 out of 14. Don't know the fates of the next episode because Super Bowl. So Super Bowl. But so I'll just say see you next time. P.S. Kevin concludes, I didn't forget to try to sneak in the title into the review. It's just too difficult this time without being 100% obvious. Maybe next time I've already got some ideas. Very good. All righty. We've got Jenny. Jenny Dean Anderson. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny Dean Anderson. Jenny says, we've got a new writer for this episode, and I'm excited to see what Alan McCullough will have next time. I really like Kalik as a bad guy. This dude is pure evil, and he has that British accent like Vala. I wonder how many alien races speak that way. We also get some good acting from Michael Shanks and Robert Picardo. In the closing scene, we witness Daniel and Woolsey's conversation that the information learned from Kalik may be useful for fighting the Priors. So at least we got something for not killing Kalik immediately. I predict six from Zach mm-hmm. and five from Brent. Got mine? Ah, yeah. Oh, very close. All right. So. Lastly, we've got Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann writes, since this thread is still open, I'll try again because while writing my prediction the other day, I got as far as, quote, Anubis has created the most successful advanced human we've ever seen to date. The, that creation perfectly fits beauty standards of Germany circa 1930s. <laughs> and then promptly walked away from my computer. I doubt that was intentional by the production, but that's where my brain went. And I can't unsee that. <laughs> Moving on, Woolsey shows up. He's now working for the International Committee, which the SGC willingly partnered with to keep its operating budget. The International Committee is new and has a clean reputation, unlike Woolsey's former employer at the NID. Woolsey, he is Woolsey is here doing his job, yet he yet here he's treated as a harbinger of the end times. <laughs> <laughs> Woolsey is right that so much of Daniel's argument is based on his personal dealings with Anubis and other factors need to be considered. Daniel ends up being proven right. And the conversation between the two at the end of the episode shows that Daniel isn't completely at home espousing O'Neill's cynical security first mindset that Daniel has vocalized since the beginning of the season. Brent, a four, quite close. Quite close. And Zach, a four, also quite oh, close. Quite close. Well, thank you very well, much, Lydia Ann. Thank you, Lydia Ann. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. That's what we got on the discords. Okay. What do we have in the emails? We have, uh, let's see here. We've got two emails. The first one comes from Ed. Hi, Ed. Ed says, as someone who studied neurobiology during my PhD, this episode makes me want to smash my head against a wall. Uh (laughs) But I guess there are parts of the episode that contribute to the story. You're going to have to give me some darn good bagels to get a higher score Ah. out of me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, So so I predict uh, Brent will give it a three and Zach will give it a 4.5. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, much closer on yours, yes. Yeah, much closer on. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I as this time as I was watching and I was thinking, yeah, that's not how neurobiology nope. works. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the human brain like like the human uses like 100% of its brain. It's not like mm-hmm. we use like only 5% of it and the rest of it just is dormant sleeping there. No, that's not right. how brains work. Right. No. We use 100% of our brain and 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 we use it all of the time. Um, it, it, it might, may, maybe, I don't know. Now here, my, my neurobiology goes, you know, outside of my, my knowledge of things. Maybe, uh, there is some truth in, in the capacity of, of, uh, you know, like using the whole brain, uh, like, you know, the, the, the two hemispheres talk to each other through Mm -hmm. the line of connections there. Maybe that can be bolstered and and they talk faster and better. I I don't know, but it, it, it anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. <laughs> so does does that continue? <laughs> no, Ed, Ed is Ed is Ed's finished. That's all Ed had to say. Oh, that Ed, that's all Ed had to say. Yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just just uh, you know, to let you, dear listeners, in on on how the the sausage is made, so to speak. Uh, I had an emergency as we were recording yesterday, and I had to leave before we finished. And now today, I uh, am able to continue recording, but I am very tired. Yes, and hey, my it- brain, like, 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 if if the Carters of the world only use eight or ten percent of their brain right now, I'm sitting at like two. Ha 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 ha. Okay, there you go. Now we got David. Hi, David. David says, Chevron encoding bias buffer. That's it. Nothing special. There it is. You may be asking yourself, Zach, where is the CEBB joke? Yes. (laughs) I'm asking that question, too. Well, you see, I did not always try to put a joke in the Uh CEBB. I didn't start that until March 12, 2020, and not consistently until May of 2020. <laughs> so I guess you could say I'm using my original, my prototype CEBB oh, here. Oh, there we go. There, there we go. It is. I knew it was coming. Yep. Very good. Ah, uh, thank you very much, David. Moving on. Oh, no, no. He has more to say. Yes. Okay. So let's be honest with ourselves here. This is a filler episode. And if it did not happen, there would be almost no meta plot impact. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's TV for you. And sometimes you just want to tell a story. So what did we get? We got a good story about the almost return of a powerful enemy who had a good plan to do a thing that got foiled by the Scooby Squad. Mm-hmm. Classic SG-1. This particular story could only have been told post-season 8. And that's the main issue. It's a good story. But we didn't need or really want it. Maybe if Son of Anubis had lived, maybe if he was not on as quite a rapid path to ascension, then maybe this could have been an ongoing story. But Mm -hmm. that itself is a problem because we have a more important story to tell. So it's over. It happened and we're moving on. Brent will give it five chevrons for the story, but one chevron for the we didn't need it factor. So... Uh, my, but minus one chevron, 
for the oh. we didn't need it factor. So four chevrons total. Uh-huh. Zach will give it five and a half chevrons and minus one chevron for the same reason. So four and a half. <laughs> Very the extra sound half logic. chevron because there is possibly an ever so tiny meta plot advancement if you look at it from a certain point of view. <laughs> Very sound logic. Also quite close, but uh, I liked it a little more than that. Yeah, like, like it was almost close, almost very close, mm-hmm. and then, um, then just generally very kind of close, most of close. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I got nothing. Anyway, that's that, okay. That, that's all we got. Okay, that's from our emails then. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, very much. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. All right, now Brent. Mm-hmm. This is the time when I would say, Brent. Next week, we look at a new episode, and here's the right. title of it, and then you tell me what happened on that episode. But yes, next time, we're not doing an episode review. We're just going to celebrate. Yeah. We're going to have a party. It's party time. Party! Boop, Woo! boop, do party! Boop, boop, do. Sorry. I was just <laughs> partying a little bit. Uh, anyway, next time is our 200th Walking Through the Stargate episode, and we're going to celebrate with... Uh, some some weird games, maybe. We're going to celebrate with your sock puppet rev- yep. ask questions and whatnot. Send them in. Uh, we're going to celebrate with whatever happens to come across our mind. We are planning to do a video cast. Uh, we are talking about live casting it, if we can get all of the things worked together for that. Uh, we'll see. Um, if it's live cast, it'll li- be live cast to our Facebook group. And probably our YouTube channel. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So check the discords and the Facebooks for more information on that. Uh, Brent, when are we planning at this point in time to do this episode? Uh, you had to ask me that. I had, now I got to pull up my calendar. It's like in three, or like three. It's the twenty fourth, right? I think so. I think that's what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. But yes, that was literally. Uh, 36 hours ago. No, yes, not quite that. True. It was 30 hours ago. Uh, so. This has been a very long episode recording. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Brent's skill of trimming things down is going to be amazing. Hopefully. Hopefully y'all didn't even notice it. Yeah. Hopefully you'll have a hard time trying to figure out which part was from yesterday and which part was from today. That would be great. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right. Anyway. Uh, send us your comments, your thoughts uh, about the podcast, about uh, life in general, about uh, whatever you want. About emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Of course, go to the yeah. Facebooks and the, the, the Discords and all of that stuff. And with all that, and until our next episode, the 200th episode, mm-hmm. I say mm-hmm. I'm Zach. I'm Brent. This has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people Woo. home.